And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. And we're talking with uh, uh, Dan Philpop there about relationship between church and state. This is a great history, by the way. I mean, this is this is a this is one of those topics that, if you study it at all, you actually come away from it knowing a lot more about how the Church of Jesus Christ functions in the world, because uh, there's a whole history. Now, we don't—there's no dogmatic blueprint, right, that says exactly how the Church should relate to the state. I mean, in ancient Israel, for instance, you had uh, prophets, you had priests, you had kings— and while sometimes there's overlap between them, they're generally distinct enough where you have those three, uh, you can use those three categories meaningfully. Uh, so you say somebody is a priest, it means he's not a king. Okay? Now, we know that, uh, you know, there's Saul, for instance, uh, that functions as a king at some point and also a priest. We know David, uh, one could argue, functions as prophet, priest, and king, which makes some sense given that his uh, greater son, Jesus Christ, his prophet, priest, and king in the uh, in par excellence. But even in, even in ancient Israel, you had distinctions between the functions of the priest, the functions of the uh, prophet, the functions of the king. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that when we, when we talk about prophets— we're, we're thinking what? We're thinking of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Malachi, right, and Zephaniah, Jonah. But when you look in the Old Testament, there are also lots of other prophets. Their activities are mentioned, but they are court prophets. They were, to the kings of Israel, what Pharaoh's magicians were to him. They were... Uh, religious spiritual officials who basically, you know, shine the shoes of the the king or Pharaoh, right? They they were in the employ of the king. They were court prophets, and this is a derogatory expression. All right. Uh, now there can be good court prophets, but what ends up happening is they have to prophesy against the court. They have to prophesy against the king. They have to prophesy against the state. Well, they lose their stature. They lose their status there. They are expelled from the uh, uh, circle of the, the great ruler. But this, this whole study, the reason it's is of, of great interest is because, one, you actually get a clearer idea of the church's uh, role in the world throughout history. Our primary purpose, of course, is the proclamation uh, of the gospel. It's the formation of uh, bearing witness to the new creation. And you not only get a better understanding of the nature of the church, but you get a better understanding of the nature of the state as well. Uh, and there's so many other affiliated uh, topics that can in, you know, enrich our understanding. But it is, uh, just from the standpoint of historical enjoyment, a wonderful topic to trace— uh, Right from Jesus' words about uh, rendering unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, rendering unto God the things that are God. What's interesting about that statement is that, in truth, it's all God's. But 
we'll come back to that some other time. Uh, join me right now to talk about living uh, as a Catholic uh, in public life is Jason Negri. Jason, a longtime friend who uh, I understand you're, you're going to be running for office, right? Uh, I am. Yeah, you are running for office right now. Mm-hmm. And um, he is, uh, we've got the Republican primary coming up in August, I believe it is. August right? 2nd. August 2nd. So uh, I did want to talk, we've known each other for a while now, many years, in fact. You are a lawyer. Uh, you have been involved in public affairs. You're a deeply committed Catholic, and you really work to integrate your faith with every aspect of your life. So I'm curious to know, uh, what advice do you have to young men and women who are wondering if they can, in fact, live faithfully as a Catholic in the world of politics, in the world of law, in the, you know, the rough and tumble of those fields? Yeah, I, yeah. I guess my, my advice would probably be twofold. First of all, echoing um, the, the papacy of my youth, John Paul the Great, right? Yeah. What did he say? Be not afraid. Yeah, yeah very okay. good. Be not afraid. This is a calling that, that all of us have. Um, it, it's, we're not meant to uh, have this bunker mentality, particularly in America. I mean, right. America, for goodness sake, was formed I, with the idea of religious freedom being paramount. That's right. Uh, the, yeah. the, the original people who came across the Atlantic Ocean and those ships from England were seeking religious freedom. Yeah. It's part of our DNA here. It is. Yeah. And, and we should not be ashamed of it. And, and speaking out in the public square is something that we as Catholics particularly have to do. And the other thing I would say is, uh, is more of a warning. Um, I mean, if you look at the hostility with which the world treats committed Christians nowadays, yeah. Yeah. look, it's only going to get worse if yeah. some of us don't stand up and push back stronger. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the time for accommodation is over. The time for, um, you know, just, just kind of live and let live and non-judgmentalism, as they want to call it, right. that only serves one side, and it ain't ours. That's right. That's true. Uh, I agree with you. The, the, if you take a look, this can be awfully jarring, too, because as Catholics, we like... You know, we also want to make sure we're bearing witness to the kingdom. We want to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, right? But I would just say, take a look at those movements that have affected our lives so much. We think of the feminist movement. Right. We think of the gay rights movement, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't nice. I'm not saying we shouldn't be nice, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying we should really take a look at this. They were not afraid to say things that were jarring and yes. made people uncomfortable. And unpopular at the and time. unpopular at the time. And look at how they changed everybody's mentality. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we need, we, need to, we need to keep that in mind right. because there's no doubt. Uh, you, there, you just have to accept the fact that there is going to be rejection. If you're going to be a faithful Christian in this yes. world, there will be rejection. And in fact, if you've been uh, seeking to be a faithful Christian for all your life and you haven't experienced some measure of rejection, you probably need to do some examination of conscience. Right. The world hated our Lord. It's yeah. going to hate us. That's right. There's no two ways about it. So yeah. if you're in this, understand what, what it's going to require of you. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it's not comfortable, but, you know, take heart. There's more of us out there than you think. That, I love that. Right. The lions are starting to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. You take a look around, and you'll find everywhere you look, there are Christians. They may yes. not be in positions of controlling influence or something, but they're there, mm-hmm. and they're often looking forward to uh, doing what they can to help uh, your witness along. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we saw this last week with Archbishop Corte Leone. <laughs> 
politicizing the you know the Eucharist here. That's that's the usual outcry when I mean, you try to stand up for something. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, he had to. He knew. He was. He is a. He's a very sharp man. Uh, I've interviewed him. He has great initiatives going on in San Francisco. And remember, it's San Francisco. Oh yeah. He had people opposed to him because when he was assigned there, it was well known that he opposed the LGBTQ plus agenda. Right. So he he knew he was going into a very a difficult area. Uh, we watched him as he uh, tried to consult with uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, he's written about this. Uh, th- there was a respectful exchange between them over, I don't know how long, but probably over a number of years. Right. The attempts were made. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this was done out of the, the public spotlight. Mm-hmm. But nobody nobody get reports on that now. No, nobody reports about the longstanding patients. Right. They make of, it sound as if he just came out of nowhere and said, no, nope, you're excommunicated. Oh, yes. Or, or somehow he thought, well, the Supreme Court's going to come down uh, uh, in this Dobbs decision. I might as well get out in front of this, mm-hmm. as though that was a right. consideration for mm-hmm. him. Good heavens. No. Um, there are some people who can only see things with a politically calculating mind. Right. And, and they, they're not looking at the pastoral approaches that he did take. Um, do you expect many other Catholic bishops to take the stand that Archbishop Cordelion took? No, I do not. Yeah. That would require a lot more courage than I fear many of our bishops actually have. Yeah. You know, it's it it, it, it really puzzles me it, it, because you, you try to give them the benefit of the doubt as much as you can. You know, you say, I say to myself, okay, well, let's see. Um, Maybe they think that people like the president are acting in their own way, in good conscience. Not objectively speaking, but they've been deceived. And so I don't want to cause them unnecessary pangs of conscience when I know they're not going to be able to receive my word. Whoa, come on. Who are you following Right, with that attitude? Exactly. Uh, now, now you're assuming that that's... Actually, what's going on I, in yeah, the mind. I, I, and I think I, that's a I'm charitable spe- assumption. And I'm speculating, yeah, I'm, and I and I realize it's absurd. It right. sounds absurd to because me. the alternative is they're just too weak to to say anything about it. Yeah. They fear rejection, yeah. they fear the confrontation, or they don't believe the teaching itself. Yeah, I, I mean, faithful Catholics have been facing this for as long as I've been aware. You know, I, yeah. I, I came aware in, in the late '80s or so, my, my teens, and yeah. uh, turned 20 in 1990. For as long as I've been a, a faithful Catholic and an observant Catholic, I've I've noticed this weird cognitive dissonance in far too many of our leaders. Yeah. Um, every, anyone who's paying attention knows that this is a problem. Yeah. And, and l- like I said, you know, just a couple of minutes ago, it's only going to get worse if people don't stand up. Well, the people that we expect to stand up, the ones who have the authority to do so, if they fail to do it, nobody can adequately take their place. The rest of us can admonish all we want. It doesn't really have the same effect. No, it does It's like when parents fail in their primary duty to their children. Right. Other people, family members, can do what they can to try to minimize the damage, but it's never quite the same. Right. If the primary person responsible fails, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so, so in, in the instance of families, for instance, when parents fail in their duties as parents and the state steps in, Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks that's the ideal solution no. to this problem. No, or if if one parent is if there's a divorce or one parent dies, to say that the two parent family, father and mother family, is the best situation for the child, 
is not to cast aspersions on the single mother who's trying to raise her children the best yeah. she can. Yeah. But far too many people, are they're, whether they're so hurt by life or they can only see the attacks now, every dialogue becomes simply yeah. an opportunity for attack and defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunately what, what it comes down to. I've, I've been, you know, you, you know better than most people, actually, my, my disappointment with yeah. our bishops. Sure, sure. Um, you know, we, we've worked together on, on efforts to try to counter this. Right. Right. I wish more bishops would take this stance that Cordiglione has done. I don't expect they will. You know, and I, I just, uh, uh, Archbishop Burbage of Arlington did come out today, but I, I think we're looking probably at 15, 16, 17 at most. And if I'm not mistaken, they're just the ones who have spoken out in support of him. It doesn't mean they're going to do it to their own errant politicians. That's true. That is true. That's a very good point. Uh, so it seems to me, at the very least... Our bishops owe us a teaching on this. You know, so tell us why the conclusion we're drawing from Canon 915 doesn't fly, mm-hmm. okay? Hey, I canon law is a tr- – for somebody who's not a canon lawyer, not trained in it, it's tricky. Uh, there, there, you know, I, I respect canon lawyers. I, it, canon law is meant to have a – it's meant to be pastoral, actually, not merely legalistic. But so, so I'd like to know why doesn't this canon apply in these circumstances? It's a, it's a fair question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm used to us. answering people's questions. That's what I do as a lawyer. I can't answer that question. <laughs> Either can I. <laughs> Either can I. Uh, because here we have a number of us who've gone out on a limb uh, in this area, right? And and we are subject to correction. You know, I I'm glad to be. Dem- prove me, prove me wrong on this, right? Please, but, but but it seems to me this is something that local bishops should be doing, and uh, and I'd like to know why why it's not happening. And uh, well, anyways, let's let's right. move on from there. Um, Dobbs, yeah, uh, how are you feeling about that? Uh, Really not much has changed since I was last here, yeah. you know, talking to you about it. Okay. Um, I, I'm surprised that they still haven't discovered the leak. What I think that may portend is that a justice was actually behind it. Ooh. And, and they don't want to do anything about it. I'm just, I'm speculating here. Wow. But it seems strange that something as momentous as this, as a leak of such an opinion, yeah. they've got to be able to figure out who did it. And the fact that there's been no revelations on this front suggests to me that they know and they don't want to say. Just... Can Jason, can you stay with me a second? Mm-hmm. Got to take a break, come back, we'll have about a minute, okay? Yep. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me, Jason Negri, attorney. And we've been talking about living as a Catholic in public life. We were focusing in on Archbishop Cordelion's, um again, challenge to Speaker of the House Pelosi. Uh we're out of time, though. I did want to make sure, though, people had a chance to follow the work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm currently the treasurer of Hamburg Township, so mm-hmm. you can always get a hold of me through there. Okay. Uh, my campaign, of course, for state rep, is okay. uh, that's a lot of fun. Okay. Take, yeah. Taking up some time. Talk about, you know, being out there in the public square. Yeah. Uh, and my website for that is Negri for Michigan. Negri for Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Jason's thanks. Thanks, Good Al. seeing you again. You too. Bye-bye. I'm Al Crystal. We'll be back. We've got more to talk about in the next hour. Live report from Uvalde. Stephanie Geiger will be with us. We'll also talk with the uh, Catholic official who's in charge down there.